Hey boys and girls, Coach Dennis here today with the Endurance Project and I'm down in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina with work. Wrapped up my day early, so I'm sitting in the hotel and figured I would take an approach to discussing something that I, I get a lot of questions about or I see a lot of people posting about and what is the difference between training and exercising or Rather, is what I'm doing in terms of is the exercising, is the movements that I'm doing actually contributing to something that's a goal down the road that I'm trying to actually achieve? So this is something that I've always, you know, kind of tried to preach as much as I could to athletes that I coach or, you know, just friends, acquaintances that I, you know, my old training partners and you know, even myself, sometimes I had to tell myself that when you're an endurance athlete or when you're an athlete in general, you know, typically you just love being involved with the movement, the exercising, the endorphins that comes with training and exercise. And then it just becomes part of your life. And it's something that you feel like you have to do every day. And it's no different really than somebody who is an alcoholic or, you know, a smoker or whatever, you know, you get your fix with exercise and sweating and endorphins the same way they would from, you know, a drink or a smoke. And that's all well and good and that's all fine. And it's, you know, it's not a bad thing by any stretch because obviously we know the benefits of exercising as long as it's not to the extreme and it's not, you know, something that takes away from your health and, also your balance of life and you know doesn't take away from your family time too much and something that you can balance with the rest of your life but what i see a lot of people do especially those who've never really maybe uh came from a competitive athletic type background or or particularly in the endurance world um they don't really know what they're they don't really know what to do or they don't really know how to apply it so that they can improve to get closer to their end goal whatever that might be a marathon or a ultra or something along the lines of that whereas if you came from a sport specific type background which you know normally a ball sport um, or even gymnastics or something like that everything you did was typically for a reason and the reason was to improve some element of the game or some element of your skill set that would help you be better at your sport um in football, you know, you're going through all the components of, you know, the drills and going through plays and walkthroughs to get better at, you know, learning the plays and everything to get better at your actual sport. You rarely are doing anything that doesn't contribute to that. So you wouldn't go out and shoot free throws in order to become a better basketball player. And you know, you wouldn't jump around on a pogo stick to become a better, you know, hitter in baseball, you know, or any other sport. So it's the same thing in the endurance world. And what happens, especially in like the OCR world now, is that these athletes have this mindset and this idea that because they're pretty fit and because they, you know, spend a lot of time running or hitting the gym or doing some sort of uh type of exercise or you know fitness routine that they can just take on anything and just do it just because and because they can just do it they 
get sucked in a lot of times to doing something just for the sake of doing it. And that can be because they want to go out and be involved with their friends and get involved with doing stuff with their friends. And, you know, maybe they had on their program, maybe they had a long run for this Saturday, but their friends decided to go out and do, you know, paddleboard and whatever else. And so they decided to do that instead. And from time to time, it's not that that's a bad thing because it's certainly a good thing to decompress and to also, you know, unwind and, you know, not always have to think about training. Well, is everything I do going to make me better at my sport? You don't always have to think in that capacity and always have to expect that everything you do needs to be making you better at your particular end goal or your sport. That said, though, I would say you should always keep at least a good 80 85 to you know 10 15 percent rule which means you know 80 percent of the time 85 percent of the time you should be trying to follow along with the program that you've either one paid for you got a coach or you have a trainer who's trying to coach you and help develop your skill set so that you can get better at the goals that you express to that coach and for him and for him or her to do their job you have to keep up on your end too so you know, I see this a lot, and um, I mean, I I don't say I hate, but I definitely obviously don't like when an athlete deviates from the plan that I program, but at least if they tell me ahead of time or let me know, I'm okay with that, and I can, I can work around that. But what I do despise and what I actually really hate, and I've actually kicked a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a handful of athletes out of my program and my, my group for, is when they consistently don't tell me they're going to change the program and they do or they follow my program pretty much to the t but then they also throw in a lot of their own shit without letting me know because all that impacts training and the end goal that they you know wrote on a whiteboard for me to assess and help them get to so if an athlete comes to me and says hey you know coach i want six months from now i want to do this ultra i want to do this marathon and this is my goal time I start from that day, from the minute they tell me that, I start constructing and I start writing up a program that allows them to achieve that. So I see that big picture from day one to the end date. And that could be, you know, 180 days worth of training. It could be 365 days worth of training, whatever. So I look at the big picture and oftentimes an athlete don't. They look day to day and week to week. And that's often why I don't like to give an athlete too many weeks in advance some of my top athletes who i've you know who have worked with me for a while that i trust now i might give them like up to two weeks worth of training in advance but normally i don't like to go over a week because i don't like an athlete to know exactly for sure what's going to happen because they want to they get too psyched out or they want to change things or they you know completely go off the rails sometimes but where this becomes a big problem is when Let's say, and here's a prime example. This is actually an example, um, you know, of a past athlete, one that I no longer work with because they just couldn't really get on the same page as me um, as a coach. So we just couldn't couldn't align the, uh, you know, our two um, personalities, I guess, and also just the way we wanted to do things. So um, I had programmed a nine mile um, run for this athlete. You know, it was basically mostly an easy run with a couple pickups in it, and it was during a marathon block. And 
from my understanding, they went out and did that nine miles. And the next day I had scheduled a 20-mile run for them, and this was part of the marathon program. Well, I had seen on Instagram that next day that they'd went out and ran 20 miles with a friend on Saturday, which was when they were supposed to run their nine-miler, and then turned around and ran the 20-miler I gave them on Sunday, but never let me know. I just happened to see it on social media, or else I wouldn't have even known. And as you can imagine, I was pretty much through the roof. I was pissed off. So over the course of two days, an athlete did you know 40 miles rather than the 29 that was you know slotted and had two 20-mile runs back-to-back. So obviously, luckily, I did see it, so I could adjust the programming. But had I not seen it, then you know the run I would have followed up with on Monday would have been completely different, and Tuesday, and the rest of the week. So um, doing something like this periodically is not a huge issue, as long as you let the coach know. But at the same time, if you don't, then they have no way of knowing. So that's where training and exercising, the line gets drawn down the middle pretty much because exercising is typically just you know you're just trying to do it to stay you know fit relative to whatever your goals is maybe it's weight loss maybe it's just to do it but the training is with a end goal in mind and with a bigger picture in mind so um you know if an athlete is a runner let's say and whatever maybe they have huge ambitious goals and it's to become an Olympian one day. Well, from the time they start their running, they typically they stay kind of on that path somewhere or another. You know, they start out running obviously in middle school and then high school. And if they're lucky enough, they go into college. And if they're good enough, they keep on pursuing that um, dream of theirs. And this could be the same for you know a major league baseball player or any other sport. But most people's goals are obviously way smaller, and it may just be qualifying for Boston Marathon. It may be just to you know, get through a race without walking. It, it could be any, you know, number of like small or big goals. But the main difference is that with training, you're doing things periodically and in blocks and in, you know, micro cycles or mini phases and blocks with the sole purpose to achieve different milestones along the way until you get your, you know, goal and your A goal out of the way. And then you would either reassess and determine if that was all you wanted to do and you don't want to go any further than maybe you just, you know, change uh, pursuits altogether or you continue building and try to improve that time, that weight lifted, that, you know, height that you jumped or whatever it is that your sport and your goal is. So, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people get wrapped up a lot of times in just wanting to go out and do and just have fun and enjoy it, you know, everything that gets thrown up there, you know, day-to-day life. And I get that. And, you know, I see, like, perfect example, you know, you'll see a lot of these higher-end athletes who they just want to do everything. And, you know, in the OCR world, it's, um, I mean, and granted, they're superstar athletes, but, you know, you'll see, like, a Rhea Coble or something who she has had, you know, did a 100K and it didn't turn out the way she wanted. She didn't do as well as she thought or even close. And, you know, reading her blog post about it, she talked about wanting to DNF the whole time. And I mean, there's a, a myriad of things of why it could have went wrong. But leading into that race, 
I had a pretty good speculation and then uh, pretty much if someone would ask me how I thought she would do, I would say that she was going to have probably a mediocre race at best and probably a horrible race. And the reason being is because in my opinion and just based on how I see how she trains and stuff, most of her training, if you want to call it that, is anything but training. It's literally just going out and exercising because she enjoys exercising. So while some of that training or exercising rather, some of that exercising can be very beneficial to her end goal and it can help her achieve some of her goals along the way and a lot of it could be considered training for sure. I don't think it's near focused enough and I don't think there's enough attention um, and detail, you know, attention to detail with her programming and protocol. She just kind of bounces from one day to the next and she really, it seems like, you know, and she's not the only one. So, I mean, I'm not just picking on her by any stretch. I mean, there's plenty of others out there, but it seems like they just wake up the morning of and go, hey, I'm going to go out and uh, ski mode a day for 30 miles, you know, or I'm just going to go, um, you know, hike up a mountain a day and um, for eight hours and, you know, with no rhyme or reason, or I'm just going to hop on my bike and, you know, ride a hundred miles, even though I've never ridden close to that before. And again, a lot of this can be applied and be considered training, but when you're really trying to hit some of these big goals and if you're, if your intent is to really hit them, and especially if you're trying to be competitive, you have to start dialing in on what is going to give you the most bang for your buck. Because one, you only have so many training hours in a day, in a week or whatever that can be applied before you either start breaking down or you just start taking away from your end goal where the application and the you know work you're doing is just figuratively spinning your wheels. You're just basically spinning your wheels and getting nothing out of it, you know, um, at all. You know, you're not getting any physiological adaptations. You're not improving performance. You're just wasting a lot of energy and calories and time spent that doesn't help you get any closer to your goals. So, um, you know, if you're in that situation and this is why I think off seasons are perfect. So to tie this in, this would be where in off season, you just go out and do what you enjoy. Maybe you take two or three months off at the end of the year and you do exactly like stuff like, what I was saying Rhea does or other people do where you go out and you have no idea what you're going to do the next day until you wake up. You know, you wake up and you go, yeah, you know, your friends call you up and say, hey, let's go biking today. And you go, oh, sure, let's do that. Or maybe you go skiing or hiking or rock climbing. And that is the perfect time to do all that is during your off season when it doesn't really matter that much. But once you're in season and once you're trying to, you know, obtain certain goals along the way throughout the year, then it's time to start dialing in and focusing in on the best workouts and the best training that'll get you to that point. Because, you know, if you look at any other sport, and it's so odd that OCR is just a hodgepodge of like craziness. But if you look at, you know, a javelin thrower, for instance, you know, a high ranking javelin thrower, you know, Olympic hopeful type javelin thrower he's out there practicing and doing all his training to become a better javelin thrower every every lift in the weight room every movement that he does in terms of his plyometrics and stuff is to make him a better javelin thrower to try to get another meter out of his throw 
rather than, you know, he isn't playing basketball, pick up basketball every day when he should be throwing the javelin. He isn't going out and, you know, skipping rocks. You know what I mean? He, he's doing stuff that's actually contributing to develop his skill set and his strengths to make him better at javelin. That's what his goals are. So it's the same way or it should be the same way in the OCR world, the running world. And while you can use different uh, modalities and, and forms of training as cross-training to get you better at your sport, you should definitely be focused on trying to develop yourself specifically for those goals and specifically for the sport that you're doing and how the exercising and the movements you're doing can tie into making you better at that sport. So um, this was just kind of a quick you know, 20-minute type uh, podcast where I wanted to touch on that. So if you guys are in that boat or if you think that, you know, you maybe want to change, you know, gears and and start training for something specific, then I would definitely say write it out on a piece of paper first, you know, write out your races that you'd like to tackle and hit. And then you don't necessarily have to hire a coach or have a coach, but I would definitely say it would be worthwhile to maybe reach out to one just to talk to them. I mean, um, most of us out there that are coaches, you know, even if you're never going to hire on with us and work with us, are more than happy to walk you through some things and help you, you know, get over a few humps and, and lay things out for you. So, you know, I do that a lot with athletes that never end up coming on with me, that I never end up working with. You know, they'll reach out and ask me a few questions, what I think they should do based on my experience, based on, you know, the years I've been doing this and the athletes I've worked with, what my thoughts are. And I give them my thoughts and sometimes I know what they end up doing with them. They go on and they follow my advice and they do this or they don't. Um, but that's on them. So uh, I definitely think that you should reach out to somebody and um, and it doesn't even have to be a coach. It could be just people in the sport that's been doing it a while, maybe somebody that you're friends with in the OCR running world that um, has maybe you're training for your first marathon, for instance, and you know somebody that you're good friends with who have done 20 marathons. So they clearly have the experience and they clearly can probably give you some tips and some pointers that can help you, especially ways that they learn the hard way that they could probably help you avoid, um, so that you don't go down the same wrong path that they may have went down. And, uh, again, back with the uh, whole thing with off season, this is, I'll finish off with this, but the, mentioned that I had with taking time to just have fun, do what you want to do with the off season. It's also a good time. Maybe from year to year, you decide to switch things up a little bit and do something not necessarily completely different, but a different realm within your overall sport. So let's say OCR, for instance, um, I have a couple athletes who this year, you know, they, in the past they'd been doing, um, all the different Spartan races, you know, all the, the, the national series from the sprints all the way up to the beasts and everything. This year they decide that, hey, you know, maybe I, I want to get into more the very short, quick, intense stuff like the high rocks or the uh, stadium races because something has changed in their life. Like, for, for instance, one uh, girl I coach, 
Um, she's a pretty high-level athlete in sport, but she uh, she recently got married, and, and, you know, she has a career now, and she has her own um, business going, and it takes up a lot of her time. So rather than try to put in all the time and the effort it takes to train for something like, you know, the World Championship Spartan Beast, which is, you know, for a female usually close to three hours um, for the winter, now she's focusing more on stadium races, which are for most of the women are under 35 minutes. And so now it's something that is a completely different way of training, but it allows her to use that, you know, maybe she only has an hour a day to train because of her business and, you know, her marriage and everything else. She has the balance now that she didn't have before. Now it allows her to be able to put in very valuable time training and not have to fret and worry about, well, I didn't get out and do my three, four hour long run this weekend. Oh my God. You know, now she knows if she goes in and gets a good 30 to 50, you know, 60 minute workout every day, it's more than enough for what she's training for. And then others, vice versa. I mean, some who have done the stadium type sprint races the last few years, they want to branch into the ultra world. So, you know, this year, over, you know, this year and the next year, they're going to look into maybe doing more ultras because it's something they've been interested in to see if, Maybe that's more their wheelhouse. Maybe they're better at ultras than they are sprints. So they are trying something new. So that's something else I recommend, and I think that you guys all should look into doing is, you know, unless you're competing at the highest levels where, you know, you're relying on podium paychecks and um, sponsorships and stuff like that, yeah, then I would say branch out. You know, you don't have to get locked into one certain thing every year, year after year. I mean, this is what I always tell my athletes or marathon runners that just because you've done a marathon every year for the last five years doesn't mean you have to keep doing marathons every single year for the rest of your life take a few years off maybe try to get your half marathon faster maybe try to get faster at 10ks maybe even do something completely different jump in some ocrs maybe jump in some high rocks type events and you know work on your strength and um work on different weaknesses that you have that could make you a better marathoner down the road if you decide to come back to it so um, again, like I said, just make sure you're paying attention to whether what you're doing day to day is actually training for your goal event or if you're just kind of exercising and winging it just so you can break a sweat and say that you burned X amount of calories because they're not the same um, at all. So the two can overlap sometimes, but for the most part, they're completely different um, elements and they have two completely different end goals. So um that's pretty much it for today and if you guys again as always if you guys have other topics that you guys are interested in and would like for me to speak about then let me know and i also plan on trying to get on some more guests and stuff with me coaches athletes just different people um may not even be people in the sport it could be just different people that i'm interested in talking with and interviewing so um if you have any suggestions on people who I should reach out to, then let me know and I will reach out to them and try to get them on the podcast. So have a good day, guys. And until next time, peace out.